lock my door so no one, the kid doesn't walk in. All right. So uh, welcome to another fantastic episode of Global Conversations. Today, we're joined by a visionary leader reshaping the equity, inclusion, belonging landscape. It's my pleasure to welcome Jill Feliciano, the Global Vice President of Diversity, Equity and Inclusion and Belonging at High Spot, Board Advisor of Included. Uh, the Chief Navigators Magazine named her one of the top 10 influential women in diversity and inclusion, and at the time of this recording, is a nominee of the Diversity Award at the Black Tech Awards. And uh, one of our previous, uh, one of my uh, people that I know throughout the throughout uh, my career, um, mm-hmm. Amanda, uh, is someone that's also within your uh, within your cohort of nominees. So, congratulations to that, and uh, and so Thanks. definitely today we will discuss empathetic leadership, especially in the tech sector. So, with that, happy Black History, Black Heritage, Black Futures Month, Jill. Oh my gosh, what an amazing intro. I should, you know, ask you to come along with me to like every room. I mean, the intro was amazing. Hey. Um, but, I'm, <laughs> um, but I'm thrilled to be here and um, really just grateful to have this conversation, just given the current state and landscape of yeah. diversity, equity, inclusion um, across the globe, but specifically within. Uh, North America and the U.S., uh, mm-hmm. there are some really interesting thoughts and, mm-hmm. quite frankly, um, news media happening around this topic. So I, I think this is just timely and excited to dive in. Yeah, no, exactly. And it was and uh, like I mentioned at the outset, it was it's great to have you. I've seen you, uh, you know, present on on the uh, social media webs, especially with your you know, with your current role, what you've been talking about, um, you know, all the publications about you, uh, the videos about you over the last year. So it was, it was just a match made in heaven, so to speak, to have you on here. <laughs> so definitely, definitely let's, uh, let's get started here. So as I usually start this conversation with my guests, I want them to just dive into who you are as an individual uh, instead of me blurbing a whole thing about you. I mean, yes, I did a little bit of introduction, but here we are. So uh, Jill, tell everyone about yourself, your journey, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you know, I just really look at myself as someone who loves people. Um, I really enjoy bringing, creating environments where it allows people to just breathe and be who they are, be proud of where they come from, their ideas, their perspectives. Um, It's been somewhat of a gift that I've had as a child um, and really excited that I actually figured out what to do with it professionally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But a little bit about me, just context. So I am from um, Chicago, Illinois, so born and raised. I'm the granddaughter of civil rights activists. here within um, the the city. So 60s, 70s, you know, um, I was the kid outside of the town hall. All my grandparents, you know, were in there championing for different legislations, right? Uh, fair, you know, housing, you know, acts, um, talking about just different things in terms of gender equality, uh, racial ethnic equality when it comes down to healthcare um, disparities, as well as education. And, you know, it, it's really what I've known, to be quite frank. 
Um, but, you know, later on, um, you know, moved on to pursue my undergrad degree at Purdue University and uh, majored in comms and, you know, just didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, so yeah. I, I jumped into an internship opportunity that led to a full-time opportunity within a financial services organization. So I grew up within um, uh, that industry um, by um, by uh, trade, I guess. Um, I am an operational engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, however, as I was really navigating the hallways of that institution for the first 10, of, 10 years of my career, um, I often felt alone. Uh, I was the only one in the room. And what I mean by that is I oftentimes were, you know, the only one that identified as a woman, a person of color. Um, I'm neurodivergent. Um, I'm married to the military. I became a mom in that setting. So I literally was every other or ism that you can yeah. think of. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, under, just to be open and real for the first, you know, eight years of that career, I learned how to mask. I learned how to code switch so that I could fit in, assimilate, hopefully grow my career at the same rate of of my peers uh, because it was important, right? Like I had to provide for a failing. But about year eight, um, I got tired of masking, code switching, (laughs) Uh, learning and watching movies that I had no interest in just so that I can contribute to conversations. (laughs) Um, and just made a decision that I was going to, from that day forward, bring my authentic self to the workplace. Mm-hmm. And I did. And it was interesting because once I did, it unlocked so much innovation. I helped that company launch their first ever um, global operations. So expanding to a different uh, country and lifting our business processes from the U.S. to those global sites. Um, I challenged our you know, uh, recruiting practices and had an opportunity to um, move into not only um, the operational engineering space, but just move into diversity and, and inclusion within that organization. So that's how I ended up in the work from my personal lived experiences um, mm-hmm. and then really meshed my passion for loving people and creating spaces where people truly authentically thrive. No, that's an excellent story. I mean, even, you know, as you mentioned about the isms here, I mean, this is this is the what you bring is the true definition of what intersectionality is all about. Um, and and, you know, a lot of people s- still to this day really don't understand that concept and want to box people in their certain silos and whatnot. But at the yeah. end of the day, you know, this work is about being intersectional, understanding that everyone is different. Everyone is new, u- unique but bring those diverse talents, experiences, et cetera, to an organization to make an organization thrive. And throughout your career, from what I've, what I've heard from you, what I've seen from you is that that's how you've thrived in your career. And that's how, and, and you know, and, and that's how you like to, uh, to um, uh, embed, embed that into your organizations that you've worked for, especially at high spots. So, so, you know, I commend you for your journey and all that you've done in your career, and and you know, as people are starting to listen to who you are uh, throughout our throughout our conversation, I'm you know I'm excited to to hear that, and I'm ex- and hopefully everyone else will be able to to uh, to listen in and be excited for you and with you in terms of that. So, yeah, exciting, so, exactly. So definitely, um, you know, one of the one the, the one thing outside of what you've mentioned, one the other thing that I ask about my guests is. If someone were to come and ask you anything 
uh, you know, that something random, what would, what would they say about, what would you say to them that is unique about you? That is a really great question. Um, and if you're okay with it, I'll share two things. Um, sure. The first is I'm a former basketball player. I didn't play in the WBA, but <laughs> I was all about basketball. I'm uh-huh. like five foot three. Um, <laughs> I love being a point guard. Grew up in that Michael Jordan era. Um, and, you know, later on after graduating from college became, you know, uh, a basketball coach um, within, you know, our local youth program. So, when folks see me and just kind of see me on this platform, they never make the connection. Like, oh, she's, she's a ball player, a former ball player. Yeah. Um, so I think that's one. And then secondly, um, I was in the movie Save the Last Dance with Julia Stiles. Um, this movie, you know, came out early 2000s, but I got to showcase my dance moves in that movie. So. <laughs> oh, now I'm going to really have to see this. I'm going to have to go back and see this. Oh my gosh, that's something. That's something I didn't know. But that's hey. So I got a got a got a dance star over here. So oh no, that's well, that. you know I'm a little rusty now. <laughs> Joints uh, are you know a little older. So I but I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, that's that's uh, that's great news, and I love to hear that. And these are the stories I like to hear. And so Jill, you know, as I mentioned at the outset, you've built an impressive career developing and implementing global uh, EDI strategies, uh, predominantly in the tech sector or recently in the tech sector. Um, so let's begin with the, the core aspect of your work. You know, the, the episode itself, we're talking about empathetic leadership. So why do you think it's crucial today? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the current tech landscape, especially for um, kind of those, those mid-sized to smaller tech companies, Um, we've experienced a lot of change, whether Mm -hmm. it's the external, um, you know, uh, economic climate, um, whether, you know, it's uh, internal organizational changes. And let's be honest, like we are all reading the articles about, you know, the many layoffs that are impacting um, the tech industry at the moment, right? And that really spans across big, small, medium. Um, And, you know, with that change, leaders still have to be laser focused on running and operating a business, Mm -hmm. right? And in doing so, we have to recognize that the people who sit in the seats every day that make Mm -hmm. the machine run are having, you know, these, you know, continuous changes, right? And having these experiences um, that can challenge the way that they feel connected to the industry or the organization yeah. itself. Um, and, you know, how, how do we actually tap into people who are having these experiences? How do we know what they need right now? Maybe if trust is eroded, um, mm-hmm. you know, or their circumstances have changed. Um, how do we make sure that we still have people engaged and invested to get the ball across, you know, mm-hmm. the, the line, Right. Like you, you still have to operate and how you do that is truly through empathetic leadership, right? Mm-hmm. We're seeing, especially as, you know, we have now a generation, a workforce with a generation of workers that span across, you know, four different generations. Yeah. And, you know, I think right now is uh, the time where leaders understand the generational differences and the uniquenesses of the needs, let alone mm-hmm. the intersectionality of folks. 
But, you know, leaders are now finding themselves having to deliver hard decisions and messaging. Mm -hmm. And the way that those really resonate and connect to people to the broader vision or new visions or the changes is through being real. And when you're real, people feel the empathetic connection that leaders have with you, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. for a leader to say, hey, I know this change is really tough and I'm not excited about it either. You know, in fact, let me tell you, you know, the process that I went through, you know, and thinking about it, right? And I want you to know that I see you and that Mm -hmm. you have been through this change as well. But let me help you connect the dots in terms of why you're important, what it is we'd love for you to contribute, and that we see, you know, a vision um, or a career for you here, right? It's those authentic and empathetic conversations that we need to move into to keep the workforce engaged Mm -hmm. in driving productivity. But people need to know that you care. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Period, right? Yeah. And, and leader, right. So leaders need to take that shell off and show up in a way that's human. That's really what empathetic leadership is about. And that mm-hmm. gains trust. It gains perspective. It creates psychological safety. And quite frankly, you'll have a workforce that's actually engaged and sitting mm-hmm. in it with the leader and wanting to help, you know, move through the hurdles, the challenges and celebrate the success. And that's where you're going to start to see the pink separates from itself <laughs> and the, yeah. the tech era, right? Exactly. Yeah. And that's, you know, in, in the tech sector where, number one, it's, you know, the the traditional, I guess, if you want to call stereotype of the bro culture. And, and you know, it's been hard mm-hmm. for, for women to engage in that space. Um, you know, how do, you know, how do leaders especially embrace everyone together that they can they can do that and, and I, you know hearing from you it's you know it's having that empathy given the current economic climate given the current social climate etc so you know as we're talking about different leadership styles i've i've you know i've i've spoken about inclusive leadership uh but then let's let's talk about it in in that sense of you know with the with respect to empathetic leadership is there a difference in inclusive leadership styles and 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 uh, empathetic leadership, or are they run the same, run in the same circles? And and more so, how does creating an empathetic workplace look like in practice, especially not only in the tech sector but also in a global context? Yeah, that's a really great question, yeah. um, and thank you for posing one that I'm actually thinking about right now, yeah. uh, which I love. So bring it on. <laughs> Um, but I would say the two coexist. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so there are elements, you know, that sit in each of the bucket, like they can span across those different categories. But I think, you know, when I think about inclusive leadership, you know, that is more of a leader taking action, doing something to set up the environment to signal to people that they are welcome, right? So I'll I'll add, I'll use a very like basic um, example. Me as a leader, recognizing that fifty percent of my direct reports are uh, caregivers, and I am yeah. going to actively choose take the action to move the meeting, our weekly meetings, to a time that works for everybody. Right? That's inclusive leadership. Is thinking mm-hmm. about what people need so they know that they can be successful in the environment. Right? Right. 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 But when you lean into empathetic um, leadership, that's more emotional, 
It's you putting yourself right in that person's shoes. It's you, you know, researching and learning about the outcomes of caregivers in the workplace. It's you, you know, um, you know, reaching out to caregivers that, you know, outside of the workplace, interviewing them on their exam or their um, experience because you want to feel and better connect Mm -hmm. emotionally to Mm -hmm. what that experience is for people. Right. Mm -hmm. So yes, some of that is an inclusive leadership because you still have to actively listen right. and you know be compassionate. But man, to put yourself in their shoes as best as you can and learn, learn, learn inside and outside of the workplace is where empathy is built. Yeah. And you know, I as I'm hearing you talk, you know, there's, you know, as you mentioned, emotions. There's mm-hmm. that whole there's that whole continuum, if you will, of from emotional intelligence to cultural intelligence, especially when we're coming to the global context, and then bringing in all of that in terms of the, you know, from a, from an operations transformational leadership style to this yeah. inclusive leadership style, and then taking it over. So it's almost like as we talk about the intelligence continuum, it's almost like a cycle from what I'm hearing from you, especially especially as we're reverting back to the skills that are necessary for leaders to have in order to, to create that psychological safety um, and have that culture of, of openness and and whatnot. And that's, and that's exactly what I'm hearing from you. And, and yeah, is there, you know, I'm pretty sure you want to add to something uh, along those lines. Well, yeah, I think, you know, if we think about what empathetic leadership is and practice, you know, I think there are a few things that that we look out for as practitioners. And you named it. The first one is understanding emotion, emotions, right? EQ, EQ, EQ. But EQ takes work. And, oh, yeah. you know, that's the piece where you have to go above and beyond just your day-to-day interactions to mm-hmm. truly understand and impact with the varying differences of folks within your organization, right? Yeah. Um, so EQ is one. The second is active listening. Mm-hmm. Are you quick to share your perspective instead of pausing, sitting back and learning and listening from others? Mm-hmm. You know, we, I think we've all seen um, those team members or leaders that are just listening to like quickly respond or rebuttal because yeah. they know yeah, the yeah, answer, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Versus someone who may think they know the answer, but they're going to sit back and listen. Um, that they're curious about, you know, others' perspectives and they're willing to actually, you know, amend their recommendation or the thoughts that they had on the topic based upon the information that they're open to receiving through active listening. Yeah. Um, you know, when you think about compassionate decision-making, oh, one of my favorites, by the way, um, but it's like I'm making a decision, but also understanding how will this impact the experience the livelihood, as well as the ability for the, you know, the folks in front of me to be successful. Like I can think about the impacts to the team based upon the decisions that I make. Um, And I I don't know if I've seen that competency um, as a primary competency of a lot of um, just folks, you know, in in the workforce. And, And it's not anyone's fault, by the way, Andre, I have to say this, like that is something that's actually a newer muscle that I believe we are asking leaders to, to learn because, Mm -hmm. you know, when I started, even though, you know, I like to say I'm 21, but when I started my career over 20 years ago, um, you know, this empathetic leadership wasn't a thing. 
right? It wasn't like a a leadership style that was taught to us. Like even when I was taking my MBA courses, it was more heavy around business acumen, you know, managing workflow and, you know, your your P&L. But this EQ piece is new. And I want to recognize that and also applaud leaders who are in their individual journey. You know, hang in there. You will get there for sure. Um, And then, you know, I think the last one is building relationships. You know, they're going to take the time to get to know their people um, and be thoughtful about what that means in terms of their communication style, how they influence Mm -hmm. and how they get the best out of their folks. So those are just some some examples of the characteristic that we tend to look for within empathetic leadership. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about even my career going through going through the journey of, you know, first first people, first leaders were hard asses you know, (laughs) and telling people what to do, then it becomes, you know, trying to be on the same level as them. And now it's like, okay, you have to be on the same level, listen, learn, um, be open to different thoughts and opinions, et cetera. And, and, you know, and now, now we're at this stage of, of getting back to emotions and, you know, especially with the hard times, as I mentioned, and as you mentioned as well, um, in terms of what we're experiencing in life and in general, and it's because of the tech sector, this is what we're this is what we're experiencing the the technology and stuff right so but mm. i want to flip it on flip it on its head a little bit has there have you ever experienced people coming to you and saying ah empathetic leadership that's soft or that's you know that's something that we don't want to we don't want to find ourselves being part of uh, in in our leadership journey so you know what are some common misunderstandings or from your experience uh, have people come to you and said to you, uh, you know, that's not a leadership style I want to be part of? Well, um, I, I won't say that uh, I've had an interaction with, with a leader yeah. That, yeah. that, you know, flat out refused. But I think right now it's more curiosity and understanding why it's important, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, depending on just the type of leader you are, um, and understanding who your people are, the data too will tell you what type of leadership style you may want to adapt quickly, right? Yeah, yep, yep. Um, so it's more for me, it's connecting the dots. And Andrea, I think one of the things that we as leaders have to understand and come to terms with is that people change. Like yep. the group of people that are sitting in the workforce today weren't the group of people, you know, that, you know, we're at the workforce 20 years ago, right? So the the experiences, COVID, Black Lives Matter, you know, Asian anti-hate, LGBTQ legislation, like all of those things have shaped and formed who people are that sit before you today. And I think mm-hmm. that's the piece that's really hard for maybe leaders who were trying, you know, 20 years ago to, to understand the evolution of people, the person that sits in front of you today. And I think yeah. that's the big disconnect Mm-hmm. Um, where I spend a lot of my time connecting those dots for leaders because leaders want to drive, um, they want to drive action, yeah. right? They want people to, you know, do something, right? Change a behavior, you know, um, in, in the best interest of uh, achieving the business goals. And I think what they're learning is the approach has to be different now. Yeah, It has to be different. Yeah, And helping them come to terms, <laughs> with the differences and then helping them adapt who they are today as a leader 
to Mm -hmm. maybe who they need to become and grow into for tomorrow if they're going to continue to engage people, bring out the best of them, uh, continue to grow, you know, future leaders on their team so that they Mm -hmm. can be, you know, in the top of their category, whatever industry, whatever product, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's where I spend a lot of my time. And again, you know, it's no fault, right, of, of leaders. Like, I, I want to be very clear about that. But yeah. once they are aware, it is our responsibility to take action and challenge the growth of who we are in the way that we lead an organization. Definitely. And, you know, and even listening to you uh, speak about this, one of the things that, that come to mind is leaders need to be agile. Uh, mm-hmm. in this in this world and um and definitely this is this is you know this is a skill not a lot of people have it um you know as you mentioned at the outset one of the things as i'm hearing this is that because we have these intergenerational shifts uh or generational shifts i should say um where where you know leaders need to be agile and start learning about what makes someone tick how do you keep something because you know retention is critical for the business, right? Because mm-hmm. and that's something that we need to we need to start really thinking about. So, from an operation side, how does that look? From a people side, how does that look? All of that put together, and there's so much, you know, including empathetic leadership. Is you know how do you how do you build all that and forget all the naysayers in terms of this work? It's more how do we look like as leaders, right? And that's something that's that's definitely critical uh, in this conversation. A hundred percent. And I think the other piece that uh, is for me, this like aha about empathetic leadership is that, you know, I think we as leaders, um, we often believe that we should have all the answers and we should know everything. Right. 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 Um, That's not for all leaders, but that (laughs) that is what, you know, what I I typically find. Yeah. And that you know, mindset is very counterintuitive to empathetic leadership. Right. But what's really interesting is for those leaders who are moving into this new, you know, realm or way of leading, they're learning that if they lean in with vulnerability, their mm-hmm. teams will then mirror lean back. And I think it's a sign of sigh of relief because they then create an environment where folks, you know, within their organization can help them co-create culture that they thrive in. Yeah. Right. That is so critical. It is so important. And for leaders who are now taking that walk, they're like, okay, it's not all on <laughs> yep. me to figure this out. Um, definitely, and, definitely. And, and we can't figure it out because the, yeah. p- the needs of our people evolve daily, you know, and we need them to have a platform where they can speak up, they can voice, they can help us, you know, create the culture or the process or, you know, um, together work to solve a business challenge. But you only can do that through psychological safety and empathetic leadership really is kind of that first step to making Mm -hmm. sure psychological safety is felt and received by the folks that we're leading. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Great, great advice there. And, you know, as I've, you know, as the theme of this conversation and my webcast is all about how do we how do we connect globally and mm-hmm. in our world and in your world, especially um, how does technology play a role in advancing empathetic leadership in your thoughts and your experience uh, with uh, EDIB, for example? Yeah, absolutely. So 
Um, I grew up in uh, global organizations uh, for the first half of my career. And it's, it's interesting. It, it's all I knew, right? So as I moved to you know, um, companies across different industries, um, those that are considered more mid-size or startup, um, you know, they were kind of uh, starting their global expansion initiatives, right? Um, so, you know, I'm sitting kind of in the middle of it. So it's really interesting that you you are kind of moving into this topic. But I think um, there's a few things, um, you know, one, we have to understand that co-creation of culture is so incredibly um, critical, mm-hmm. especially across different geographies. Yeah. And what oftentimes happens is, you know, where the company is headquartered or based out of, they typically set the, the dominant culture, right? Mm-hmm. The, the behaviors mm-hmm. that are acceptable, how we work, when we work, how we communicate, Right. And I would challenge those leaders to really understand it as they either expand or if they're currently across different geos, it's time to take a step back and do an evaluation mm-hmm. of the culture. And the question yeah. that I always you know, put in front of leaders is, can inclusion be felt across the globe? All right. Right. So like making them sit in each of the regions <laughs> and yeah. saying... Here is what that feels like, right? If you're sitting in France versus here's what this feels like if you're sitting in Germany. Okay, Mm -hmm. let's sit Mm -hmm. in Canada, right? And to just do that exercise can be so incredibly eye-opening. I also challenge leaders and managers to also travel if, you know, budget allows. (laughs) Because to sit in an environment and to have the experience pushing us back to empathetic leadership, right? One of the core mm-hmm. <laughs> components, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right? And yeah. say, oh my gosh, this all hands is horrible. Like I can't yeah. hear the audio shoddy. Oh my gosh, this isn't relevant to this group that I'm sitting with. It gives you a very different perspective. Um, and I think that's one of the, the most important steps um, folks can take. Yeah. But I think on the other hand, you know, as... You know, I'm meeting with some of my peers in, you know, kind of the DEI space. You know, we're really challenging ourselves on how we use technology to scale global culture. Um, And that's something that we're focusing on at High Spot. And we're really, really excited. And some of those examples are um, we are implementing a uh, inclusion, a global inclusion chatbot. So each of our employees can now use that chatbot. So think chat GBT, so generative AI, um, to ask it questions about, you know, cultural nuances, right? I'm going to, you know, maybe I'm sitting in a meeting and someone shares a pronoun that I'm not familiar with, right? I can ask the chat, right, what that pronoun is, what it means, and how I should talk about it or not, right? Mm -hmm. So to Mm -hmm. have that real-time interaction and have that, uh, you know, information available is helpful, it mm-hmm. also translates it in 50 different languages um, and just provides equity and understanding and learning about one another. And quite frankly, you know, that is only the first step, right? <laughs> because you have to put yeah. it in practice. But sometimes, yeah. you know, after, you know, folks are afraid. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't know who to ask. And by mm-hmm. removing that barrier, it allows everyone to start the journey at their own pace and start to mm-hmm. get some of those insights as they take the next step forward, right? Yeah. Uh, and being inclusive. So that's an example of like how we're scaling technology 
to create inclusive dialogue conversations and um, build cultural competence. So really excited about that. I think the other piece is through data analytics, Mm -hmm, to be mm -hmm. quite frank. Um, You know, and I think HR data has been something that has been top of mind for a lot of, um, you know, leaders, right? People data, quite frankly. Um, And that's why I'm really excited to join Included as one of their board advisors. So Included um, ultimately created a platform that uses generative AI to um, architect uh, stories around employee journeys. So Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. can see instantaneously where there are hotspots in the organization, right? And you can see hotspots, meaning retention risks, um, you know, uh, challenges in terms of engagement across different regions. You can cut it by any demographic possible, yeah. but we're using it to look at the regional experience. And quite frankly, we're also building, you know, metrics around inclusion at each of the regional levels so that we can mm-hmm. have curated strategies that tailor to the needs of those employees. So AI is, I call it AI for good, right? Because yeah. <laughs> Of course. Um, right. Um, so included, they're they're really onto something. And then I think the last piece that I'll, I'll mention about that is included also allows us to do predictive analytics. So mm-hmm. it will alert us to say, hey, you know, you may have an issue with retention in Germany. Yeah. And here is why. So before it becomes a trend based upon, you know, past uh, attributions and experiences, right? Here are some steps you may want to take because mm-hmm. we've seen this play out before, right? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Right? Yep. So it, it allows us to really stop trends um, from persisting and then knowing which leaders, managers, and teams we need to better support. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's, you know, as I'm listening to this, to our conversation, I can, I can think of five different episodes on this, you know, whether it's, you know, especially, especially the AI component, right. And that's your, that's your bread and butter of what you do. And tying that into empathetic leadership is such an amazing transition, especially in, you know, with all that leaders are going through, whether you're Mm -hmm. working in, you know, in tech, whether you're working in a nonprofit, when you're, you know, all of that, it, there's so many components here and, what you gave was a was an excellent excellent synopsis as to what leaders should be thinking about in this day and age and how to be agile and i you know i'm really happy that this this is uh this is happening especially now and for people to start listening to uh in the future and so i want to close off by just just rolling it back a little and and saying or asking you what advice would you give to leaders now who are striving to be empathetic leaders Oh, that was such a great question. Um, what would I say to leaders? Well, I think the first thing that's really important to highlight is that empathetic leadership is a muscle that needs to be built over time, right? right. Um, and I think for some leaders who um, just maybe haven't had exposure to what empathetic leadership is, let alone see it in practice, or just like, how do I actually go to the gym, right? You know, it's important to recognize that, you know, it, it is a journey and you may stumble, 
you will stumble along the way. You will make mistakes and that's okay. It's a part of your learning. Get back up, dust yourself off and Mm -hmm. keep going. Keep going, Mm -hmm. right? So I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing is recognizing that empathetic leadership is really built through continuous experience, Mm -hmm. okay? It is something that requires effort and intention. Yep. Um, Similar to, you know, and I, you know, I've shared this openly on different podcasts, but like I'm on a, you know, wellness journey, right? And, you know, I, I want to lose 50 pounds and, you know, I want to say to myself, hey, body, in the morning, I want you to be 50 pounds lighter, okay? Yeah. My mind is there. I want it to happen. I'm saying all the words, right? Um, I wake up and I'm still, you know, kind of in the same body that I was yesterday. And that's because, you know, change happens with continuous effort. Right. Right. You need those continuous experiences. So challenging leaders to say, how are you changing your environment to step in the shoes of other people who you don't have, you know, the same experience as. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Are you sitting in ERG events? Are you going to become an executive sponsor of an employee community? Um, Are you going to spend some time with the interns? Are yeah. you uh, are, are you spending time with folks outside of your department to understand who they are, their experiences? Mm-hmm. And then even externally, there are organization groups or just, you know, friends, your network, have conversations with them about mm-hmm. experiences and challenges. That's sometimes that's a little bit more safer, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's low risk. It's low risk, right? So put yourself in situations, environments that you are not familiar with. That yeah. is the only way you build empathy for others. Yeah. And quite frankly, I think it's a humbling practice for us as leaders to sit in an environment where, you know, our authority is is irrelevant, right? Our, you know, perspective is irrelevant. And we actually have to, you know, really lean in with humility and listen and learn and figure out if we're saying the right things. Like that practice yeah. is really great and, and quite frankly is the experience of how people see us yeah. <laughs> in the workplace. So I, I think that also builds some um, some EQ and, and some emotional connection to just the humans. Definitely, definitely. So Jill, I, you know, I want to thank you so much for mm-hmm. so many little nuggets in our conversation. Um, you know, you've brought up a lot and there's a lot for, for leaders and those who aspire to be leaders to think about in this, in this day and age. And, and I know, you know, in your work, uh, there's always going to be something that inspires you, whether it's a song or a book, um, and how it gets you through the day. So what is it that, what's that one, uh, one song that actually says, Hey, I'm ready to go. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, all right. This is such a good question. So unexpected. That one song. Um. As she goes to her Spotify playlist. (laughs) I am. Oh my gosh. Um. Okay. So, um, Lovely Day by Bill Withers. Um, and the reason being is I believe that Happiness. I think about, um, you know, just being motivated, um, regardless of your circumstances, is a choice. Mm-hmm. And like, I wake up every day and I'm like, this is going to be a good day. Yeah. I'm going to find the light out of everything that's happening. I'm going to be appreciative for that light, right? Whether it's, you mm-hmm. know, it's one person who sends me a slash, like, hey, Jill, 
I heard, you know, you say this, thank you so much, right? Like that is the thing that will keep me going. So choosing to start your day um, with a mindset that it's going to be a lovely day is yeah. really what gets me through. Just yeah. open room. No, definitely, definitely. And so with that, um, how can people find you, Jill? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, please uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn, Jill Feliciano. Um, I am very active. I answer messages. Uh, so would love to just hear thoughts from viewers, as well as, you know, learnings from all of you. You know, mm -hmm. no one is an expert in everything. And, you know, I continuously am inspired by, you know, um, folks across the corporate landscape, all levels, backgrounds. Like, I want to hear from you. I want to learn from you. Yeah. So reach out there. Thank you very much for this, Jill. I really appreciate our talk. And, uh, and with that, Another episode of Global Conversations webcast is, is done and looking forward to seeing everyone on the next episode. So thank you again, Jill, for all this. My pleasure. All right. All right. I know Riverside, so I won't hit anything until upload is complete.